Star Wars fans and Rule of the Galaxy fans. Uh, it is Joe in the pilot seat of the Rule of the Galaxy podcast. We are on chapter 242. Uh, some people said we'd be lucky to make 20 episodes. Here we are at 242. And um, today we're going to have some special guests. I know one for sure right now. He's already with us. One hopefully adding it. But uh, it's been a little slow time in Star Wars. A few conversations have come up recently. We can discuss those. Uh, I think we're going to talk a little Star Wars Marvel comics as well. But uh, before I get just rambling, as one person's getting ready to come in, I'll introduce you to our first guest. You know him. You love him. He's been on the show a ton, Mr. Mark Newbold. Hi, guys. How you doing? I think everybody... I'm, I'm doing well. And you know what? Since we started live, look at this, Mark. I just gave a wonderful introduction to you. Uh, hopefully, Mr. Rifen can hear us because we now have added Mr. Scott Rifen. How are you, Scott? I can hear you. The question is, can you hear me? Uh, we both can hear you. Awesome. <laughs> I have been, I have been uh, definitely wanting to put this show together ever since Scott's wonderful story, how he roped me into a Mark Newbold, Scott Rifen story just because I live in Indianapolis. Uh, but, uh, but that was a great story about how he found you some comics, I believe in my backyard when he was here visiting. So that ever since then, I was like, we have to get these two guys talking together. And plus I know how much you guys love all the original and, and just vintage star Wars stuff that, that we, we don't talk about enough on our show because we're usually talking of topics of the day and things like that. So Yes, we have some topics we can discuss briefly, but it's good to have you both here. And Scott, is it now good that we we are bringing that triangle together from that? Oh story? yeah, this is. Did you hear the story, Mark? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I you, do you remember that you were in Orlando, uh, yeah. and we had been in, and I had a list that I'd gotten from you of some of the the books you were missing. That's right. Yeah. 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 And I we went to Indianapolis where he Joe lives and. Uh, I, I found a bunch of that stuff there and then I sent it to you when you were in Orlando. So it all, there's just, there's like a little triangle right here. This all works out. This is the triangle trade right here. That's it right. works. It's, it's Star Wars. It's cyclical. It works. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> there's rhyme to the entire thing, guys. It there's rhymes. A rhyme. It rhymes. Um, so uh, as I told Mark, DDoc usually runs our stream yard. Um, we, we are not, um, we're not having DDoc with us. He's busy right now. Get, he put it in my hands. So if it goes really off the, the, the uh, stuff, you know, it's your fault. It's yeah. my fault. That's right. Yeah. If it goes off the rails, but we're, we're trying it. We're recording. So we're all good. It's one of us in what direction. Um, so before we get into the Marvel comic discussion, I figured let, let's talk about, um, let's talk about some fun things that have come up this week. 
uh, I, I was unaware until just recently, last night, I believe, that um, the Marvel, I'm sorry, the Marvel, the Mandalorian and Grogu that's going to go on at the theaters is actually still the series followed up ending with the movie. Is that correct? Is that how we're looking at it? Oh, uh, it's it's kind of getting complicated. And until they nail it down, I don't think we'll fully know. But I think a lot of people thought that they wouldn't do a season four, but they would do a movie instead. And then they announced the movie. And then on deadline, they announced a fourth season. So whether the – well, presumably the season will come before the film, but who knows? Maybe the film will come before the season. It'll be like an X-Files season five and six thing. We fight the future in the middle. I don't know. Uh, or and then of course Ahsoka season two as well. So yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of sort of nailing things down. But yeah, it's certainly a busy busy day and plenty of good news. I agree, very good news. I that you threw that in there about Ahsoka. Uh, you know, we all assumed it. We all assumed that Ahsoka season two was in the works, but we had not seen anything official until that recent statement. So that's What's, good. What about that piece of art that's been circulating that's supposed to be? pre-production art from Ahsoka season two is that uh I think, that, I think right the, 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 oh, sorry, the, the finger yeah. the finger yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 that's one of Dave's I think that's one of Dave's doodles I would imagine somebody gave him a napkin and a bio room and said do something quick <laughs> that, kind of, that feels like his vibe doesn't it he, 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 <laughs> yeah what can I what can I draw on oh yeah that'll do <laughs> yeah that, that does sound about right yeah I think it caught everybody's attention and you know on our show for years D-Doc has been saying if we're going to do Disney Plus, I would really like it. I think Sne um, Peaky Blinders is going to do a movie, um, if I'm not mistaken. But he said, why don't we do, because he went to go see Ahsoka, one of the final episodes at a theater yeah. that they did in his hometown. Now, he got a ticket but didn't get in. They overbooked the tickets, so he never made it. Um, so he was kind of ticked about that. But the line was going through the food court of the mall just to go see an Ahsoka episode in a movie theater. He, you know, D-Doc's like, I'm finally maybe getting my dream of maybe four or five episodes of the show and then finish it with the finale in, in the theater. I, I think all Star Wars fans want to see us getting back together, watching, watching Star Wars things on a big screen. So hopefully this is going in the right direction. There is, I was just going to say, there's, there's obviously something to be said for that experience, but at the same time, you know, I was looking at the numbers and, uh, since 2020, I love throwing this out here since 2020 Marvel's made over $6 billion in box office. Mm. Uh, in that time, Lucasfilm has made about 380, um, million and that's it. So they, while they make interesting shows that we like to watch on Disney plus the real the reality is it doesn't generate real revenue for the Disney company theatrical does. And so, uh, the more that they can do by getting move, uh, getting programming into theaters and actually selling tickets for it, the better off they're going to be. And I think the happier we're going to be. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think if you, if you look at an average episode of Ahsoka, Mando, anything like that, if they're getting two, 3 million, that's pretty much where they are on Disney plus. And, mm -hmm. A big movie is going to be getting 100 million people in. So, you know, it's, it's it's totally different scales and getting those Mando. I mean, yeah, we, we all know merchandise-wise, Mando and Grogu are huge and people outside of the fandom have cottoned onto this cute little baby Yoda. Yes. Now tacking his name onto the end of The Mandalorian and putting it in the cinemas, you think that's going to pull people in? 
you know, so I, I can see the, the logic of it definitely. But yeah, until it's on the big screen, it's you know, that's why Darth Vader turning up on the TV show is such a big deal. It's a it's a movie star turning up on the TV show, isn't it? True. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that. I like that. Theory I like right there. You know, I, at first when I heard the name, I thought, well, that's awfully simple. <laughs> but then when I thought about it, I mean, the whole thing is, you know, it's Lone Wolf and Cub. It's yeah. Mandalorian and Grogu. Yeah. Yeah, I think also, I mean, I don't know if this was the timing or whatever, but it sure did feel good. And I'm not going to get down this rabbit hole, but I will just say to put something positive in front of the fans instead of all the snarky negativity that was going on in the last week or two this mm. this has kind of helped turn that corner a little bit people are like oh this is making me mad this is making me mad oh wait a minute oh. i get to go see mandalorian and grogu in the theater now you know that changes things a little bit so and, and that's that's kind of the state of star wars now here put this out here you don't like this okay fine what about this and you do have those things that you can choose from now and say well you know that that branch of this whole thing is not my thing but this this is Mm -hmm. very true yeah there's so many such a broad church now isn't it star wars and there's plenty of stuff out there and i think yeah there, it has been kind of negative and certain news things have been picked up on this week and really expanded on way beyond what they probably really are uh and, and this news comes out it's great it's just after christmas ahsoka's not long since finished we now get a season two we want to know exactly with mando because we know we're not getting and or season two this year, but we are getting Acolyte and Skeleton Crew, and you know we kind of want to know what's going on. It's a non-celebration year. Japan's next year, so yeah. it's kind of a weird year, and we're rushing towards the 50th anniversary. So you want to kind of know what's ahead because Scott mentioned Star Wars, uh, sorry Marvel, who've okay, they're having uh, a rockier time than they normally have, but they're still making crazy money, and they're still putting out, in my mind, pretty decent content. So you know that's not a shit that's in any kind of real trouble. They just need to kind of figure out what their, to coin a phrase, what their end game is, because you knew what it was with the first few phases leading up to the Thanos thing. You don't quite know what Secret Wars is about, how they're going to play it. But anyway, that's Marvel's problem. Star Wars needs to sort of start, start stacking its deck. So I think, you know, this week was was very positive because now if you actually list what we what we know is coming because mm -hmm. it's been finished or Andor's practically, <coughs> excuse me, practically finished and... We know Mando and Grogu is going to shoot this year, and then you've got Ahsoka and Mando season four in development, and there's other stuff knocking around. You know the Sean Levy movie and other bits and bobs, the the mythical Ryan Johnson trilogy, whatever. You know there's all sorts of stuff out there that could be happening. So if you actually line them all up, it's quite the quite the sack of dominoes. Yeah, I I would rather have a full pipeline than than wonder what's coming up next. I want I want to be excited about things. <laughs> funneling through and that we know we've got in front of us real quick just just to check am i uh, is my sound okay are you guys hearing me okay yeah you sound right okay yeah. i want i want to make sure I, I was hearing a slight vibration want to make sure it wasn't coming through too bad so um well cool we've got that uh d doc and alfie just sent over to me did you guys see this from lego what was just put out there hmm. lego is going to make a set the dark millennium falcon the dark millennium falcon like a black millennium falcon lego set it's going to have a white darth vader in it an evil chewbacca an evil c-3po a dark ray and a mystery character so while we're doing the show you guys can definitely go look that up i have not seen it they just sent it to me and said here's a picture and and here's what they're looking at so 
um, if you guys look it up and see anything, that's what I'm hearing is out there or coming out. So I'm sure I'll, I'll be putting it on Panther tracks later. I'm sure, but I've not, I've not seen it yet. Sounds intriguing. It sounds more like a Halloween kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it could. It could. Are you seeing it, Scott? Are you pulling yeah, it up there? This thing I'm reading says blue a blue Gungan. Would that be an evil Jar Jar? <laughs> could we get an evil Jar Jar? Darth Jar Jar to go along with the evil and evil C3PO. Darth oh, Jar Binks. That might be <laughs> one of the hottest sellers ever. I mean, Legos already go crazy. So I'm on board. And I don't even do Lego and I'm on board. Yep. See if they if we can pull in Scott Rifen to do Lego on that, you know you got a winner on your hands. So <laughs> um real quick, uh did you guys see that Benioff and Weiss they finally came out with some quick comments on what their supposed movie was going to be and it was going to be the first jedi how mm -hmm. how the order was put together i had never heard that was like locked in always heard rumors but that's what they're saying sounds like um sounds like we're kind of getting that in the mangle film right i mean isn't that the direction we're going so it feels like it yeah. <laughs> it feels like it and, and also the title i think they were kind of more focusing on the title with ryan coming up with the last jedi and there's been the first jedi and i don't know why they uh, thought that would ne negate or nullify what they were doing because it kind of feels <laughs> like a nice a nice bookend but okay. yep. yeah i don't think i don't oh. think they were ready for it at that point i think you probably need to get past the end of the skywalker saga and you know and move on but then they got offered that crazy multiple hundred million dollar deal with netflix so i think i'd walk away from star wars if netflix <laughs> offered me that much <laughs> Well, I'd and now that they do have that deal, now that they do have that deal with Netflix, uh, I think you're actually <laughs> going to see this movie made, but it's going to be called Rebel Jedi. So <laughs> I think wow. everybody's just, I, and Ryan Johnson's got a deal with Netflix. He can do his trilogy over there and make it part of the Zack Snyder verse. And, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I had, um, yeah, I had a show the other day and D Doc, D Doc and Alfie were telling me, Oh, well, this is in Rebel Moon, and this is in Rebel Moon, and and I didn't even finish it because I I couldn't get through it all. And and they were like, "But you should watch it." And I said, "Guys, you're nah. not selling me. <laughs> this is not. I didn't get through it, and I was bored with this. That's not selling me to go watch Rebel Moon." So, and nah. and Mark, I know you and I quickly exchanged some things on it that uh, it kind of kind of missed on some some things there. Oh, it was oh, that, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was just grim. I mean, it's a remake of a remake of a remake, and it's worse than any of the iterations that came before it. It was it was cliched beyond belief. Oh, I'm not going to start bashing it because I'll I'll get hate mail from whoever. <laughs> but no, it it didn't do it for me. And then to know that there's a you know a Snyder cut coming, why can't he just put the original version out and get on with the next one? It's like, what's that about? I mean, uh, the thing about doing, you know, your cut is usually that means the studio took it away from you. Mm -hmm. Nobody took it away from him. No. There shouldn't need to, the cut that's there should be the Snyder cut. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the way that works. Now, it would have been much better, I think, if they had called it the Maverick Moon, but Ooh. that's just me. Ah. Yeah. I'll catch so, that behind yeah. me here somewhere. <laughs> then they the could have a sequel, the Rebellious Robot. Yes. Mm -hmm. Come that on. Thing, you got yeah, Maverick Moon sitting there? I do, I do, I do. Sorry. You're seeing my big bald <laughs> head on the screen right now. Here we go. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, yes. nice. have, you, have you got the one with the black background as well? Because there's, the there's two versions of that book. There's a version with the black cover as well. No, I don't have that. Yeah. But now you're making me want that. Oh, yeah. Got, got that and the Rebellious Robot. And uh, yeah, those books are 
fun yeah, good time. I'm sure Scott's finding it as yeah, well. Yeah, I was gonna say now we're all just gonna start exploring our caves over here. <laughs> <laughs> um while Scott's going and looking at that, um I I'm really excited about the upcoming books uh that are coming out. I know we we've talked a little bit Scott definitely and I have talked books in the past and and I know uh, on on Panther tracks and making tracks, you guys cover all the the um, literary stuff going on. But the Mace Window book coming out, yeah. I'm excited about that. I want to hear some more detail, you know, a little more Mace. Uh, the John Jackson Miller book, I really am excited about that one. What is it? The Living Force. Living Force, right? yeah. yeah, it's out in April, I think. That's that's looking yeah. pretty tidy because I think it's just there. You go. See, yeah. look at you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that'll be great. And, and I, I'm hoping John's been on, John uh, has been on the show once or twice now talking about Kenobi and talking about some other things. Um, look, Scott Rifen has got multiple copies of everything. Um, but I think, I think one of the things that I'm most excited about is the Billy D Williams book, because yeah. I love, I love the Anthony Daniels book. You and I have talked about that before, Mark. And I loved actually the audiobook so much with Anthony narrating it. I am hoping that the audio version is going to be Billy D doing this book because that would be fantastic. How can it not be? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be. And well, I, I might sit there and open up a crack, open a Colt 45 and just listen. To it. <laughs> it's, Every time. Every yeah. time. But um, I still, one of my most prized possessions, 50th birthday. Video, I keep it right here on my phone. Billy D. Williams sent me a video. My my kids and my friends chipped in and, and got me a cameo from him. Oh, it's the sweet. coolest thing. You get Billy D. Williams saying Joe to you and talking. It's just like, man, I got to hold on to that. That's that's oh, yeah. never going to go away. So, but yeah, those books all look great. And I, you know, I again, there's a lot of people who've got mad love for Mace, and then there's a lot of people who've got some kind of anger towards Mace, right? Like he's the one who kind of knocked Anakin down a little bit too much to make him have that anger and hate in him. Um, so I'm, I'm really wanting to see where this goes. I, I think it, I think it could be a good book. All the Jedi are guilty. All the, and now which one are you looking forward to the most? Um, well, the audio version of Billy D's book, if that's going to be mm -hmm. him, uh, but then the John Jackson second, and then the Mace one third. I mean, and that's just because I'm a big John Jackson Miller fan. So yeah, me too. I I love I love I used to love what he did when he was with uh, Comics Buyers Guide because mm -hmm. Comics mm -hmm. Buyers Guide was a great publication, but it was also largely written by people who were 15 to 20 years older than I was. <laughs> and so you know, John Jackson Miller was kind of that guy when he wrote. He kind of spoke for our generation. And uh, so that you know, I followed him after that to pretty much wherever we did Iron Man and. I guess yeah. War Machine and all that, and uh, uh, his work in Star Wars and Star Trek have been terrific. And and I mean, one of my favorite ever comic runs is his uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I years and years ago, the first celebration in Europe, I just interviewed him for my old site lightsaber, and he very kindly sent me the first ten issues, all signed oh, wow. that we auctioned off. And I still regret not putting in the highest bid because I so <laughs> wish I'd kept them because they were beautifully signed. But uh, they, oh, yeah. they raised a lot of money, so it was all, all very good. But yeah, yeah, that was a heck of a run. That really was a great run. Yeah, um, in fact, and, I, I keep a, I keep a, on my wall in my lovely office. You can't see it, but there's, I got a twofold that I got it. One of the celebrations, I got a uh, a John Jackson Miller autograph and a Jan Dersma, and I just nice. kind of put them together in the same frame. Mm. 
but uh because I, I just i have a lot of appreciation for what both of them did particularly during the dark horse era of star wars comics yeah underrated era as well i know we talk about comics later but when you think what they were doing back then with you know dark times legacy all of that you know brilliant great times yep, yeah absolutely i i mean to sit there and think about the the stretch of uh, the run that dark horse had uh highly underrated you're exactly right and and yeah we're going to talk about that marvel run but that that there's something magical about that marvel run that we'll talk about in a minute that i mean let's face it at that time besides having the brian daly books besides having splinter of the mind's eye um you know later the lando books that those comics really kept us all just chomping at the bit even though they sometimes got a little quirky and weird um you know it it definitely was a great time i i will tell you guys i alfie and ddoc keep saying hey we need to put out more things we need to try some different stuff and so recently in the past week or two i've been creating just short little snippets just like top 10 lists of things that i've been putting on our youtube channel and you know top 10 jedi top 10 sith top 10 you know movies top 10 you know but but one of the things i did recently that really just wet my whistle and got me going again and looking into this and it made me think this would be a great time for us to do this show was i did my top 10 canon books my top 10 expanded universe or legends books or series and then i did um my top 10 marvel i'm sorry uh legends characters from the books and then i just recently did my top 10 marvel comics characters that and put a list together but going through that i was like man i you forget you whether it's the legends books whether it's the comics you forget how much fun we had across dark horse across marvel across all those expanded universe books the great characters that were brought up that have never come to fruition in a movie and things like that so much depth so much things that we really just I mean, it was just so much fun. And our imagination got to go wild with them because they were in a book or in a comic or what have you. So, uh, sorry I went down a rabbit hole there. But, I mean, I think you guys would probably agree with, with those those comments on all that stuff. It's just crazy how much there is out there It's good. When you go back, when you look back to that era, I, I think kids now, I mean, there's so much stuff now. And it's mad to think this year that Marvel have had Star Wars as long on their second run with Star Wars as they had it originally in <laughs> nine years. Right which is mad so and you think in that original run what was it 107 comics three annuals Mm -hmm. the jedi adaptation the super specials whatever you know not that much really you probably get that in about three three months these days (laughs) but but just the depth of stuff and now because it comes to us so fast so fast Mm -hmm. when we were kids when they came out i know i certainly i got the weeklies because i was in the uk so i'm weird but you know we'd get that thing and you'd read it read it read it read it (laughs) Have all the backup spent all the backup stuff, all the Marvel, you know, classic Marvel stuff. But you just read that comic as many times as you could, mm-hmm. because, like you say, you know, you had if we had uh, Star Wars was adapted on Radio One here, which is our big national mm-hmm. station, and so if you were lucky enough or quick enough to record it at noon on a whatever day it was, you'd get them down. They weren't released until the nineties, properly. Um, so you know, you had that. You had your book and records. You had your figures. You had mm-hmm. your comics, you had the books that you just mentioned. That was it, really. Star Wars wasn't on VHS and TV till 82. So outside of the Super 8 bits, if you were lucky enough to have that, you didn't see any of it. You know, so so it's really 
you, you made absolutely made the most of those comics. Whereas now, mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys like. For me, it's like I read them, I love them, I really enjoy them. But it's very much of the moment, and I'm very conscious I'll, I'll probably never physically touch half these comics again because yeah. they're read, reviewed, appreciated, backboard, even put in a box. So whereas those other things have literally got my thumbprints on them. I used to tear the bits of the paper off and eat the pills when I was paper eating. Kids have got books with bits <laughs> nibbled out of them. It was terrible. So I was weird. I learned something new about you all the time. Yeah. Like, I had no idea that you were. I can't yeah. think now the links we would have to go to reassemble your original copies. <laughs> oh, you don't go there. <laughs> well, Why do you think um, I had to get some new copies? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that, and that's one of the things I always think of those original Marvel Star Wars as the the books that we can't tire of buying because I sat down thinking about it. I bought a I bought, you know, all of my comics. I filled in the run when I got to be an adult when I was in college. Cuz you know when we were in college, I well when I was in college, uh cuz I started in 88. We're we're in the throes of the dark times. So I would go to the comic shop and look through the quarter bin and they're all my old Star Wars comics that I can just pick out and go, oh, yeah, I need this one again. I need that one again. Um, I lost a lot of mine in an unfortunate treehouse rainstorm. Oh, uh, my original ones. So uh, when I was a kid, I had, a, I had the best treehouse in the world, but it did leak a little and uh, uh, some rain. And I kept all my comics up there. And so, yeah, they got and I was going to bring them all in like soaked. And my mom just went, nope, they're going in the trash. So um, I had to replace them. So I bought them, replaced them. Then I bought a a, uh, a reading set, so I have two runs of the original Marvel Star Wars, and then Dark Horse put out their trade. Yeah, remember the long time ago trade. Yeah. Then they did the long time ago Omnibus. Yeah. Then they made a digital version, and then there was the Marvel Omnibus, and then the Epic Collection. So I bought this run now five or six times, <laughs> and right now. <laughs> Right now, what I'm working on is uh, I have a spinner rack in my upstairs room. Unfortunately, it's nice. not here. It's way. And uh, I originally filled it with old comics because I wanted to fill it with things that would be on the rack back in the day. Yeah. But I kind of, in the back of my mind, said, you know, I want to I want to put the old Marvel Star Wars in the spinner rack. And so I have been buying just beat up copies. Uh, I don't put them. They don't, they're not bagged and boarded. Just, you know, and I've got a $5 ceiling. Like if it's more than $5, I'm not buying it but I've been buying old beat up Marvel star Wars and putting them in the rack. And so far I'm on most of the sides. I'm too deep. So, uh, you know, just slowly, but surely filling that whole rack in with old Marvel star Wars. That's a can great, you, that's a really good concept. I love, love that idea. Oh yeah. Can you imagine kids going in and getting off the rack like that now? I mean, right now you go in to buy them and everybody's got them in pristine little yes. areas and they're all laid out nice and, Chris, back then you just tore right there. You just grabbed yeah. it right out of there. Or, or wait, wait, this one. <laughs> you just put your hand on top of it, and I don't. I mean, Mark, did you guys had a? How did you? You didn't have spinner racks per se, did you? No, no. So all of ours was news agents, so it would just yeah. be on on you know flat shelves. I mean, we had comic yeah. stores um, going back to, to mid sixties in the UK, but. Um, mm. No, really, not 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 in the same way you guys did because our comics were magazine size. Yeah, our weeklies were, were like that. Whereas obviously yours were, you know, classic comic format. So, which which they tried to do in the UK and they still kind of do, but it never really took off. It's uh, even really? our magazines now are still yeah still. I mean, outside of comic collectors stores, you don't really see American 
comics in the UK shops. And we used to in the eighties and nineties, but it sort of it sort of faded. You get you get that size comic, but it's reprints. It's UK reprints now, mm. so it's not the same. But but now it's everything's kind of monthly. I do miss the old weeklies. I wish I wish I was still. I wish Insider was weekly. I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> one of the things I love about those, you know, I didn't know anything about the Star Wars Weekly when I was a really little kid. But then mm-hmm. uh, at one point, Marvel put out a paperback that was just a collection of of stories yeah. uh, out of nowhere. And it was mostly Goodwin Williamson stuff. And there was one that wasn't. And, uh, I, I, and I bought it. And I was like, wow, this is great. Why isn't this in the books? And uh, then I found out later, obviously, it was stuff that, you know, stuff that they had printed to kind of fill the gaps. Yeah. Uh, for Marvel UK, because you guys had, you know, being weekly, you'd have five issues some months, four issues other months. And uh, gee, where'd you get that from? <laughs> Mr. Scott Ripon with a gift right here. My one and only Star Wars Weekly. Keep going there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, uh, and so then I, you know, then you started reading in the issues of, of Marvel's, the actual Marvel Star Wars. By the way, we also have different covers and, you know, we're publishing these extra stories in there. And so I really was fascinated by that. And uh, obviously it's all been reprinted over here now, but it's, to me, it's yeah. not the same thing. I, I started a couple of years ago. I don't know, it was probably, it was probably 2016. I started buying Marvel uh, Star Wars weeklies. Yeah. And uh, I love them being kind of a, a, an addict of the Marvel Star Wars stuff because there, there are differences, you know, there, there are recap pages that are different. There are new covers and they also, because most of them are not in color or maybe one color or something like that, uh, they have tones added to them. Yeah. And and that's all, you know, so there's there's a lot of changes to the artwork that are that are interesting to me. They had to do a lot of stuff. I mean, when, I mean, Marvel were really in dire straits back in the 70s and uh, really Marvel UK was, was a big part of keeping the broader Marvel afloat. Mm. And so when, obviously, when they struck the deal to get Star Wars you know, over to Marvel, and then that first issue sells a million. It, you could put your finger on saying <laughs> that was the comic that saved Marvel because it really yeah. wasn't a mess. Mm. And then, of course, DC then had the big implosion in '78. They stripped all their titles, so comics was in a is, was in a real mess. And it wasn't until you kind of get to the X Men and turn of the '80s, and it all starts going uh, in the right direction again. But Star Wars, yeah, when they <coughs> when they reprinted it in the UK, obviously the format's different. So certain panels would be a different size and they'd sort mm-hmm. of adjust things and and sort of the, the end of that page would be the start of that page and they'd change it out a little bit. But you're right, yeah, I mean, they we didn't have colour comics. I mean, 2000 AD was our big comic over here, which was literally printed on newspaper paper. The wow. only colour thing in it was the cover. Everything else was was black and white, which I kind of preferred. It had a real sort of gritty gritty feel and i really missed that in 2000 it's too glossy now i stopped collecting it years ago it's just, just too smart and smooth it was better when it was a bit rough and ready but but marvel Star Wars was like that you know and, and especially when we got to when jedi weekly was coming out um you hadn't really got full color it's a bit mm-hmm. like when secret wars came out and it was that sort of dot matrix looking color, yeah. like little tiny dots which looks horrible now i mean people must look at that i mean they used to call it prestige format it looked like it was colored in by a five-year-old on an airplane it was just <laughs> just not working but but just you know the classic the classic run and the weeklies were so interesting i interviewed death skin it was the editor at the time the original editor he's the guy that started starburst magazine back in the day and he considered it he didn't think of it as a comic he considered it a magazine because they had interviews in there and they had feature articles and when he got around sort of issue 100 they were starting to do 
photo covers as well as the the art covers as well because obviously a lot of the covers would come from you know the issues that you guys had but mm-hmm. you had one issue a month we had four if not five sometimes issues would come mm-hmm. out yeah. in that time sometimes they'd, they'd blow up a, a panel or sometimes they'd get you know some other artwork or some other artists lots of uk artists john higgins did loads of beautiful painting covers for empire monthly and you know, so it was co- it was very unique when you really get into the stretch of it. Was to get past Star Wars Weekly into Empire Weekly, and then Empire Monthly and Star Wars Monthly, and then Jedi Weekly, and then it yeah. finally fizzles out after about 170 issues, and it becomes a backup strip in Spider Man and Zoids. It was kind of a real sad end, you know. Wait a minute, hang on. Backup you, strip in Spider Man and Zoids. Hang on, I gotta write that down because yeah, and there are some, really, there are some, some Spider Man and Zoids comics with that like, real unique covers star wars covers i didn't get all of them i tapped out by then i was collecting the american ones by then but, but yeah there's one with a beautiful dark. i'll find it i'll find you the issue and i'll send you a, some details but there's one with a beautiful darth vader cover on it oh it's wow funny, so it's really random stuff so oh wow more, more for the chase scott more for the chase. i know yeah. i know it's just you like know, added to the stack and, oh, the and, fun, I, isn't it? <laughs> and i know we're going to talk about these marvels starting what we can start right now but uh, you guys talking about with the newspaper, it, I completely forgot about the run of the newspaper comics that, that we got here that uh, I'm blanking the names right now. I know you guys both know them. Archie. Um, Goodwin Williamson. Yeah, those were and, fantastic. And But you also had Archie Manning, too. Yeah, Russ my, Manning. My, yeah, before that. Yeah. Russ Manning. Sorry, Russ yeah. Manning. Yeah, <laughs> Russ Manning's the quarterback. Sorry. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say I could see him throwing <laughs> passes, and then yeah, um, but but yeah, like I did not ever know about those because my newspaper didn't get those. The Indianapolis yeah. newspaper did not put those in, so I didn't find out about them until the ninety, excuse me, the nineties when they came out with those trade paperbacks of them. Yeah, and, and those were fantastic. Some of the just great artwork, great stories. I thought. Man, this this was pretty cool stuff that I missed out on completely back in the day. So well, they're beautiful because because they used to do the Flash Gordon syndicated strip for King's King Features, you know. Okay. The, what George wanted to do back in the day. So when they did, obviously Star Wars was was what it was. Chaking drew it, and it was what it was. It was okay, but he had limited stuff to work from. When you get to right. Empire, it was Lucas that wanted Goodwin and Williamson doing it because he'd been such a fan of their work on the Flash Gordon stuff, and then they. <coughs> excuse me they stuck around did a few issues in between and then you know they did that beautiful jedi adaptation which was one of the first marvel limited series or mini series back in 83 that i've been that many i think contest of champions a couple of other things and then jedi really early on and then um and then they did a few issues after but um, not much but yeah like you say they did that that gorgeous run on the the syndicated stuff so yeah. Yeah. We'll have they to, we'll did, have to yeah. do some more digger, digging on that and, and bring that up as a discussion point because I'm sure there's just like you mentioned the back of the Zoids and Spider-Man and you mix in these that a lot of people our age and a lot younger don't know anything about. Never never heard of, never seen. And and so I think it'd be great. It's it's almost like do a history class for everybody to go, okay, this is what you missed. <laughs> and it's really good stuff that was out there. So yeah. I, I uh I'm I'm looking for some reason I can't find it. I just saw it the other day, but I've got a, a, a little, uh, comic bag full of old Marvel star Wars strips that I cut out of the Sunday paper. I did the same back in see back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Um, it, 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 the thing with me is I had to get to it before my parents threw it away. Cause my parents threw the paper away fast. Yeah. And, uh, 
So I, I don't have everything, but I have a lot of them, including the first couple. You know, when we first started getting, we didn't get a Sunday paper here in uh, in beautiful Brunswick, Georgia, and so we had to get a Sunday paper from Jacksonville. Uh, they didn't carry Star Wars in the daily, so all I got was Sunday, the Jacksonville Sunday paper. But once they started covering it, it was during the during the Russ Manning. I think Russ Manning and Steve Gerber was working on it with them too. Um, it was during that era. And, uh, I started immediately cutting those out because I, you know, like Mark, we loved star Wars at that time. And all we had was that movie and yeah. then whatever else there was. So we, right. we clung to that stuff. Right. It's so ubiquitous now. It's everywhere. You can walk into a shop. I'm wearing, <laughs> look at me. I'm yeah. wearing my pajamas already. I've got my Mandalorian pajamas. You can't say anything there. <laughs> Trust me. Um, I'm not showing you the boxer shorts though, but you know, they're, they're everywhere. <laughs> You know, Star Wars is everywhere. So, but like you say, when you're a kid, I mean, you're a kid. You know, I was yeah. what six when Star Wars came out. So I'm I'm walking into shops and there's all the toys that I wanted. That mom's not going to buy me that. She's not going to buy me that beautiful diecast Millennium Falcon because I'll only take it out of the box. So you know, there's all these things that you you missed and then you go back chasing for it. It's so um, so evocative and like you say, that Marvel run is right smack in the middle of that sort of sweet spot of good memories. Well, and, and not not to, I don't want to sound all, all sad and gloomy and everything, but I, you know, God bless my parents. My parents were great parents, um, but we, we were at a time, especially in the 70s, when not a lot of people had a lot of money and jobs were hard to come by and the economy was not that great and things like that. For them to go and, and really go all out at a Christmas time or something for a lot of Star Wars figures, ships, everything was very difficult. Um, but another thing that made the comics so magical was they didn't mind throwing down 35 cents, right? Like to them, they'd say, oh, you want some Star Wars? Here, here's this. And when you couldn't have all the toys you wanted at a certain time because it wasn't your birthday or it wasn't <laughs> Christmas or, you know, you could only get so much, that those made those things even more valuable to you because it was that thing that you could go, oh, this is something that I know I can just go get my parents won't have a problem with us getting it because it's 35 cents or whatever. And, and they were happy to say, Oh, this makes him happy because it's, it's star Wars and it's what he likes. So you think of how many kids our age, boys and girls started reading, really reading because they were reading Star Wars comics. I mean, I had my pocket money per week was 10 P uh, an issue with Star Wars weekly was 10 P I always had Star Wars Weekly, but I also had my pocket money, and my mom was like, well, you know, my dad was like, yeah, that's 20p. Yeah, but it's reading, you know, and I was reading that thing to bits, and I was a weird kid. I used to read the newspaper when I was like three or four, and I mean literally read the newspaper. I was weird. But <laughs> I used to keep pages out of it and everything, but Star Wars comes out. It's, it's yeah, it's fun. It's Star Wars, and I was obsessed with it, like lots of us were, but I was sitting there reading that thing cover to cover. So I think, mm -hmm. to your point, to, to, to get something that was – I mean, weekly again, UK, but something that's regular and Star Wars. And I'm in a country where you've got Doctor Who and Blake Seven on television. I did not care less about any of that. Uh, I just wanted more Star Wars. So, you know, it really got, got me into reading. And, you know, I think it was a very positive thing in that sense. I agree. It's funny. Yeah. Mark, Mark and I are very similar in that I was a, a, an early, early newspaper reader. And my parents still tell the story of how I would grab the paper every day as a kid and start reading. Watergate, like as a three and four year old, I was obsessed with reading about Watergate in the paper. Uh, don't ask me why, but, uh, oh. but, but 
as far as novels go, I never read a novel until I read the Empire Strikes Back adaptation. I, I worked on the Star Wars adaptation, but even it just kind of put me to sleep. But Empire, I was, you know, I was a little older and I was better at it. But the, the comics, uh, they were they were the story. Uh, yeah. When you when you watch Star Wars, the first film, um, it ends and everybody's happy and we're all smiling. But but many of us remember Darth Vader flew off in that Tie Fighter, mm -hmm. and what's next? Yeah. uh you know we won we got the princess but it isn't over what's next and so the marvel comics for me were what's next and i and i loved not really knowing why they couldn't at the time put luke and vader together but i loved the cat and mouse mm -hmm. uh, aspect of of luke and vader where they tantalized you a lot but yeah. never really had them face off never really had a showdown but they did a lot in the interim to kind of uh to fill that space and to fill that expectation. Uh, and, and so it, these things were important to me. And, and like Mark says, you know, my parents, and, and I think you also said, Joe, we would, I would have to catch up when I was on vacation. We didn't have a comic shop. Uh, we had convenience stores. That's where we got comics. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and, and I knew which convenience stores had the best racks because some of them were better than others. And so, you, you know, that one, that one, I could still, you know, I still live in the same town. I could take you around to the places that had all the great comic racks and tell you what they had and what I got on them too. Cause I can remember distinctly, but, um, uh, it, it was, it was our opportunity to see that story continue. We didn't yeah. have an organized way to do it. It was, we were just always on the hunt. If dad ever stopped and got gas anywhere, I'm running in the store and seeing if they've got a star Wars, I don't have, mm -hmm. uh, I remember on vacation that's one thing we would do is i would try to fill in the star wars because i knew i'd missed four issues or whatever uh and i'd try to find them there if dad stopped and got gas i remember buying an issue at a restaurant one time they had a spinner rack at the register at a restaurant we stopped in on vacation um it, it the hunt was very different from the way it is now yeah. uh, in that you know you open up previews now and you go well that's <laughs> yeah. coming that's coming and that's what it's about and I'll order that and I'll make sure I'm there on that day to get that. Um, it wasn't, I didn't know when this stuff was out. I didn't Man. know when it was coming. No. I didn't know. You just, you just showed up and crossed your fingers. Well, for, for, as we start this, I, my collection, unlike Scott, I don't have two, three, four copies of everything. I've got one. They're in a box. I don't get them out very often, but what I go to all the time are these, uh, the, I've got the dark horse version of the yeah. compilations you have the original all... Dark Horse version of it because yeah. they yes. did them again in omnibus yes. form. And, and I bought both of them. I tell you what, these are not only they fun, good artwork on the front, but just a great compilation. There's seven of them that, that each have. So when you're watching this on YouTube, as you watch on YouTube, you'll see these great covers and, and you know, just fantastic stuff. But guys, looking at this and me not pulling all the regular comics out, are there certain storylines from this star wars marvel run or certain characters now i'm i'm a little ahead of the game on this because i just did this and i just researched all the different characters that i forgot about for all those years but are there certain characters or certain story storylines that you look at and go man that really caught my attention this is also fun the, at the end where all all of them are together this was the wasn't that the cover of the last episode or yeah. the last yeah right last there? issue yeah. yeah last issue um I know there's certain ones that stand out to me, but I'd love to hear from you guys as either storylines or characters that you don't see anywhere else, but you see in these Star Wars Marvel comics from the 70s and the 80s. 
I'll just, tell you one yes. one character one character I would love to see, and everybody talks in the nineties, and they're quite correct, quite correct about Mara Jade and what a big deal she was, and how they should do something with Mara Jade. But if somebody somewhere doesn't do something with Shira Ellen Collett Bree, bring <laughs> Shira Bree back and do something really intensely cool with that mm -hmm. character, then they're missing a trick because that whole Shalavane and the whole thing. With, you mentioned Vader, the tease between Luke and Vader, that end of that issue when you see Vader appear. And, oh, yeah. and it's not him, he's a whole I've come for you. Exactly. Yeah. That, just that <laughs> whole one. Just, that's why I think I think that storyline, because Walt Simpson was drawing it, he was a genius. Mm -hmm. um, that whole storyline, that Empire to Jedi era, that is a huge part of why I love that era. So if I had to pick a, a storyline, and it, you know, it kind of bleeds into the Hello Best Me Goodbye stuff and, and all of that, which was again was awesome on Cloud City. But um, yeah, Shoribri. Not and, the dark legs, yeah. not Lumia. They, I, I wasn't into that, but, but <laughs> her is her is that character. Her the whole flirt with Luke and all that was brilliant. And Leia getting jealous. <laughs> oh, she was jealous. Yes. Yeah. I th yeah. that is. And first off, let me compliment Mark for pronouncing Shira Bree's name correctly. Because <laughs> I went a long time not knowing, and I had to ask David Michelini himself, since it's his character. How do you pronounce it? And he's the one who told me. And Mark is exactly right. <laughs> um, she is great. She was a great character. She mm -hmm. was, you know, Luke needed a love interest. They couldn't advance, I mean, you know, and you don't know the mechanics behind it. They couldn't advance a Luke Leia romance, even though that was hinted at, they, you know, they had her confession to solo as he's going into the, the, the pit and, uh, you know, what could they do? Well, here we go. We've got a little stop gap and then let's do something really interesting with it. Let's turn everything upside down. And, and I think part of the beauty of of that run and David Michelinie, Walt Simonson, all those guys, um, a, a lot of what he would do is they weren't really afraid to turn everything upside down, knowing they had to put the, you know, they had to put it all back in the box at some yeah. point. Right. Um, they did a great job with that of doing it because, you know, I get that, that issue where, I mean, I, we can talk spoilers here, right? It's been 40 years. Right? <laughs> it's been 40 um, years. You can talk about whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. All right. Just want to make sure, um, you know, the, the, they go on that raid and they come back and oh by the way you blew up Shira, yeah. yeah. Um, and you're what? Holy cow! And then the next issue, the you know the issue where we all learned what the new word in our vocabulary, pariah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was uh, you know they have totally undone Luke. How do you get him back? How do you put the the, the genie back in the bottle? And yet yeah. they did. It's it was you know there's great storytelling and then there's great storytelling where I hear so often. And it's one of the things that frustrates me is I hear a lot of writers say, well, you know, we're constrained by this, you know, this requirement that was put on us. We have to write with this in mind and thus we're not being able to be as creative as we want to be, blah, blah, blah. Michelini, those guys were more creative because of yeah. this. They, yeah. I think they told better stories because of the restrictions that were on them. Uh, there's no I reason you know, the, the Marvel guys got rid of, uh, Peter and Mary Jane's marriage, obliterated it years ago. And they had been crying to do so for years because, well, it's just too constricting. Um, and, and none of this is too constricting if you apply the right creativity to it. Um, and, and that to me is a great example. Uh, that is a great storyline. And, and yeah, to me, it all kind of starts that whole, even though Michelini and they started a couple of issues before, but really to me, that whole run of of continuous storyline starts with 55 Pliff uh, yeah. and, and goes from there, you know, where yeah. they, where the Slivalisk is there and they, they set up shop on, what is it? Arbra? Is that the name Arbra. of the planet? And, uh, and uh, you know, from there again, then Lando goes to cloud city and that stuff's all great. 
Um, but even there, even there, you got that whole Mandalorian thing, Fenshisha, Toby yes, Darla, all those said, characters. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you've got all that. And again, they didn't know what was going to be done years later, but it, it all worked for us. It satisfied us. Um, I, I also, I think probably my all time favorite storyline is the, the three parter that almost led right up into the empire strikes back, uh, where they're on, uh, uh, with a, uh, Domina Taggy gets brought mm -hmm. in this. Yeah. They're on monastery. Um, and, and I, and I like when they bring back old characters in the current Marvel, but I think they, I think they missed the boat on some of these guys. And Domin is one of those that I think they do. Um, just because me, my interpretation of Domina Taggy was always that she is Michael Corleone. She is, she is that one family member that they want to keep out of the family business. They want to keep yeah. them pure. They want to keep, and then she gets kind of put into the middle of it and she turns out to be a boss. Um, mm -hmm. and so it, it, unfortunately they brought her, it's great that they brought her back, but they brought her back in that she was kind of always a boss and she was always ruthless and she was, and, and I kind of like the other version of her more. I like the fact that she was the one, she was the one they wanted to keep out of it. She was the one they wanted to keep pure. They didn't want her in their nastiness. And, uh, once she got sucked into their nastiness, not only did she find that she could do it, she was probably better than they were at it. Um, I, but I love that three-parter. And again, it's the flirting with Luke and Vader getting together. Oh yeah. They don't quite, I, I love all of the storyline that leads up to that. I like, you know, Orman and Silas and all those guys that, that are, you know, the, the whole family dynamic with those guys, I think is just great. And so I think all time, that's probably my favorite. I'm, I'm kind of a, uh, uh, Archie Goodwin guy with, with the writing, but, uh, there's so many to me, there are just so many really good runs and, and Michelinie's is one and Archie Goodwin's is one. Um, it, it's, it's hard to really pick many of these things out. Cause I love Crimson Jack, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Crimson Jack and Jolly are just and fantastic. Oh uh, yeah. Who's never kissed a man. That's right. <laughs> but it's funny that I interviewed Joe Duffy years ago, years and years ago. And she said, you know, they came up with all these ideas and different things. And one of the ideas I came up with was, why don't we have a, like a second Death Star? And they were like, no, 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 you can't do that. Uh, what yeah. If, what if, you know, and they come up with all these things. And they basically, they kind of realized after the fact that they'd figured out a lot of Return of the Jedi just by the ideas they pitched that Lucas <laughs> yeah. went, we'd rather you didn't do that. So, yeah, the Tarkin. You know, the Tarkin was supposed to be Tarkin, yeah. a second yeah. Death Star. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. And we did an episode. I did an episode. I've done an episode of my Star Wars story with Mark Newbold. Yes. And yes. I've done an episode uh, with uh, with David Michelinie. And he talked about that on that episode about how uh, he pitched a second Death Star and they shot it down. And he went, Why are you shooting that down? <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll do something else. We'll do this. They've, just, brought, they've just done Star Wars Revelations, the second Star Wars Revelations. And in there, you've got Rick Jewell, who you mm -hmm. saw Carmen like Frozen in The Mandalorian. Yeah. And it's just one of those kind of cool characters and they bring him back in in that revelations issue of course he was in that room with danny and shido and luke yeah. and lando and all that stuff you know zeltrons and all that yeah really good fun act. just love the, yeah. the, the the vibe of that and so when shadow of the sith came out and it was luke and lando again that a little bit further on um yeah. and adam christopher was you know doing what he did with them those two characters i always thought luke and lando were great together because i got yeah. so much fun out of reading that sort of that run that whole pre-jedi run so yeah that was that was a lot of fun to do yeah and they the two of them on on uh bazaar yeah bizarre, yeah um, orion ferret yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. so 
yeah, they and they had a good dynamic. Again, if you have the writers who can do that yeah. uh, or who feel like they can break free of the template they think they should be doing and go to this other one, um, you know, and make up their own, create their own. Uh, and that's what you saw a lot of. You just saw a lot of inventiveness with Marvel Star Wars that was yeah, there. I you agree. Know? I don't uh, think they, when they, you know, you had the Marvel run, which for us as kids, when we read mm-hmm. it was, this is what was happening between the films. Yep. And you were too young to think of, oh, well, that, that wouldn't make sense with this or wouldn't make sense with that. That was what you got. That was all you had. And mm-hmm. then you had the, what we now consider the EU, which kind of retold a lot of it again. You know, Truce of Bakura is retelling a lot of stuff. And, you had, you know, you've not got the Nagai. You've not got all that stuff going on. They're retelling it with the Sea Rook and all of that. Yeah. And then you've got what we've got now. So to me, anyway, we're on our third iteration of a lot of stuff, whereas a lot of people, I think, wouldn't yeah. consider the Marvel stuff. They'd just think it was, oh, they got rid of the EU and be doing it again. No, really, we're doing this the third time we've done some of this mm-hmm. stuff. Well, you can, you can actually, you know, Joe was holding up those, uh, a long time ago trades. And if you read the write-up, the summary on the back of it, that's kind of how they treated it. It was kind of, yep. this isn't really canon. It's just kind of goofy, but we still kind of like it. And, uh, it, it's, it's kind of a little dismissive of the material, which I hate because yeah, yeah. With, with the framework and within which they were working, I thought they did some tremendous stuff. Uh, and some of those stories again today, I prefer to what they're doing now. Uh, and not to denigrate what they're doing now, but I, I liked, uh, you know, when they brought Valance back for issue 108, I thought they missed the boat with him uh, in 108 because first off, they had him being an entirely, an entirely robotic skeleton, and I thought, well, that's mm-hmm. that's not right. That's not what he was. Uh, they pretty much got to be the Terminator, him. huh? Right. That that was the battle going on within him. Him being yeah. a cyborg yeah. was the key to his character, yes. not not yeah. one oh, or yeah. the other. And, and you want to talk about great runs? Uh, are great storylines 16 27 and 29 in america uh that's you know you, you introduce valance the hunter and then you have his showdown with luke and then you have this you know first he's fighting vader for the opportunity to get uh tyler lucian the the rebel deserter and then he's protecting tyler lucian the, and 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 all because he saw that a droid can actually exercise compassion i mean it's just you know which which kind of brings his humanity back and, right. and you, you don't think that a kid's comic book is supposed to be telling you stories that have this level of storytelling to it, but here's a guy who literally is running around and he's got a chip on his shoulder because he's part machine and he hates that machine part of himself. One of the things they didn't, they don't do anymore, which I wish they had, uh, was the whole discriminating against droids thing in the, yeah. in the OT era, which yeah. Archie Goodwin picked up on, uh, and they used it a lot. Uh, you know, the, we don't serve their kind here. I mean, that's yeah. a very bigoted, you know, there's yeah. a clearly prejudice against droids, which I think actually yeah. dovetails really nicely with the prequel trilogy because it was a droid army that attacked, you know, <laughs> that attacked the galaxy, you know, uh, the separatists had a droid army. So it works out. Yeah. We don't like droids. Look what they do. Um, they don't, they don't do a lot of that. Now Mando does. I'll give them that mm-hmm. uh, first season Mando does. Um, but but they didn't and then really the droid bar. The droid bar was like, you know, that was yeah. somewhat like yeah. that. That's as well. that's yeah. the kind of thing. And I like it yeah. when they do that stuff. Um, but you haven't seen a lot of people picking up on that thread. And uh, that's exactly what they were exploring with this was this this bigotry. And you know, that's what it was. It's bigotry. It's a it it's and it wasn't addressing current issues of the day, it was addressing this timeless issue that we have as people that goes back thousands of years. And, um, you know, here he is 
he hates droids, but yet he's, if he's not part droid, he doesn't live. Uh, right. People discriminate against him when they find out he's part droid. And uh, so he hates this part of himself. And then, and he hates this part of himself because he doesn't think droids are sentient. And then 3PO just about sacrifices himself for Luke. <laughs> and that makes Valance think. Valance is going, wait a minute, maybe, maybe there is something to, you know, droid sentience. Maybe, maybe we can have compassion. Maybe the droids can't, you know. And so he makes that sacrifice with Vader. Uh, tries to save Luke. Luke is worth saving. If a droid is going to give up his life to save Luke, he must be worth salvaging. Um, there's just there's just so much to that that gets overlooked when people dismissively go, "Oh yeah, Marvel Comics." There's that big green rabbit. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. That that that. Who, by the way, I love. I, I'm yeah. just going to let you know, yeah. I'm a Jackson supporter. Absolutely. Yeah. But so. like you say, they did so many interesting little little storylines and stuff that. That doesn't feel like it fits mm. uh, Sophidian eyes, you know, the knights, knights in shining armor type issue. Mm -hmm. um, the darker, which kind of felt a little bit like it linked into the Lando oh, yeah. books with, yeah. with um, well, I forget the name of the the bad guy in the in the uh, Marvel uh, in, the, oh. in the Lando books. Now, uh, his name, um, Raku Agetta, um, yep, yep, the Sorcerer yep, yep. of Tundia, um, and uh, Ellie. Yeah, the, the one with yeah. the droid that, you know, the three PO kind of feels. You will believe similar. a droid can cry. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, so, <laughs> so they, they really do just pepper in these beautiful little moments. But I totally, totally know what you're saying about how it does get overlooked and does get missed. And I love the fact that I've I've really enjoyed Ethan Satcher on Bounty Hunters, and we've got the final mm. issue coming up, and I'm going to be really curious to see what he does with Valance at the end, whether he gets through it or gets out of it, or they pull a bow on that that character because I've really liked how they've played it because they have. Mm taken that character and taken the archetype of what he was and, and really woven him into the mythology, you know, with him yeah. being in the Academy with Han and all the stuff that's happened to him. And there's kind of almost, a, you know, they, they rebuilt Shara Bree and there's kind of that feel of that's what they did to balance. They rebuilt yeah. Valance to use for their own ends. There's kind of a parallel there, but uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they finish that. But I'm glad that Marvel now and the writers that are doing it do and aren't afraid to dip back and go and grab certain elements or because you kind of get the vibe sometimes. I mean, I, you mentioned Arbor and, and that whole stuff, you know, the, the, well, the planet of the Hoojums as it was when it was the broken oh, yeah. record, yes. you know, that, but that whole era, that, that between empire and Jedi era, you know, you feel like there's still that unified rebellion and this, mm -hmm. this kind of they found a new base, you know, we, as kids, we got used to Hoth. Didn't we have time to get used to, to Yavin because it was more about the battle than it was about the planet. But yeah. but Hoth, you felt like it was a location. You felt like it was somewhere you could be, you know. And then you got Arbor with the cave and the mirrors, you know, recording everything. And oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you imagine the horror they must have felt when they realised what was happening with these walls. It's like a data storage thing. Just mm -hmm. that's real out of the box thinking. And for yeah. us as kids, it was just this is this is happening. Yeah, there, it was a revelation in ways. I think one of the things that gets me when <clears throat> when we see the path that Marvel and DC have kind of gone on recently, yeah. that it's all about multiverse. It's all about different dimensions of this and that and the other. Um, one of the things that the Marvel books and the expanded universe and all that show me that is that I don't think Star Wars ever needs to go down that path. I don't think they need to do a... I know they just brought in a new universe into Ahsoka and okay, that's fine, but... I'm talking about like there's not two Ahsokas in Star Wars, right? Ahsoka is Ahsoka, or Darth Vader was Darth Vader. When there's not, hey, in this universe, there's a, a white Darth Vader, right? It's I I think 
that there's enough, and I think Star Wars fans would be okay with, hey, we've got these major tentpole movies, and let's pepper in these stories that some of them might go off in some weird tangent directions, but <laughs> let's let's have these adventures and then bring it back to the tentpole again. I don't, like when we were growing up, like you guys said, it wasn't like, hey, this didn't really happen. These are just weird stories over here. To us, that's what took place between the movies. Mm-hmm. And we didn't. And we didn't sit there and go, oh, that would never happen. That's not going to, that's not, <laughs> we just sat, we just sat there and went, hey, that, that was pretty cool. There were some really cool storylines yeah. that, again, when Han and Empire Strikes Back, hey, the bounty hunter on, on Ord Mandel changed my mind, right? Um, that was in one of the uh, Williamson. Yeah, right? strips, yeah. It was Williamson. in the comic, it was in the comic strips and it was in, it was about, it was about three panels in a, in a Marvel book too. Yeah. And of course it was a Brian Daly record, but, um, yeah, from Buena Vista. uh, Oh yeah. No, that's we, I think maybe something I'm looking at is I hope star Wars never feels like we've run out of storylines. We can't fill in these gaps with anything. Let's just make it a, let's get your favorite characters back again, but in a different situation opposite of what they're in right now. I, I, I really hope we we stick with filling it in with things like this, whether the, whether it's good quality or bad quality, whatever. I, I just want to see that happen instead of, well, that didn't really happen because that was in that universe and Luke really did this over here, right? I mean, I, I kind of like this. Let's fill in the blanks. Let's just let's make some fun stories that fill in the time frame between between the movies. Because as Brent would tell you on our show, he doesn't read the books. He doesn't read the comics. To him. Star Wars is the movies. So all these other things to him, it, it's just out in the, the ether, right? To him. But there's millions of people like that. For people like us, let's just keep filling in the gaps. Let's not let's not make it to where it's a multiverse. Let's let's know. keep filling in the gaps, but let me also say this. Let's let's leave some cracks. Always leave some cracks. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't don't give me a wall of stories bridging this film to that film with no wiggle room in there with no room to play with no room to add things in. Um, I I think there should always be gaps and cracks because I think people should look for stories in between the gaps and cracks. Yeah. I think the Mandoverse is doing that at the moment. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Filoni and Favreau are quite um, cautious and careful about there's been no storytelling in that realm, if you want to call it outside of what they've done other than adaptations. And I think that you'll get far enough away to a point, I, I personally think that the film and season four are going to be. I think I personally think they're going to treat it like phases, like uh, Horror Republic. I think we've had phase one of the Mandoverse, if you like, because I can see Ahsoka and Sabine being on Peridia for a while. I can see, you know, Grogu and mm-hmm. Din sitting by the pool fishing for frogs for a while, <laughs> you know, and then you're going to step forward and, you know, the next version of whatever the next big storyline will start. Cobb Van will knock on his cottage door and say, I need you for a mission or whatever. You know, Fett needs some help with something and off we go again. And there you go. Once you've moved to that next step, then maybe Filoni and Fabra will go, okay, well, that that portion of our story of this Mandoverse is done. And like Scott says, you've left these gaps and cracks. So you can have, you know, adventures where in between episodes five and six of season two of Mando, I don't know, pick a, pick a, pick an episode, they took a diversion and landed on this planet and there's your Marvel a Marvel miniseries or here's a novel of what happened or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you've got some options. So I think it's sensible to leave these gaps because I, I, I do get that when they said, right, we're going to, you know, 
the films are canon and Clone Wars is canon and everything else is not. And we can cherry pick if we want, which they have, let's be honest. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but otherwise it's literally, well, Han Solo went to sleep and whilst he was asleep, he was sleepwalking and did this mission because it happens in his comic. So he must have done. And then he went back to bed and didn't know he'd done it or whatever, you know. So it, Do it. it really was yes. like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm all in favor of that stuff. And it's, it's why I love, you know, there's a three-year gap between Star Wars and Empire. Good, yeah. let's start telling stories yeah. in that gap, but let's not do a thing where we fill in every spare moment of their lives until then, because no. we need those gaps. We need those cracks. We we want, and when new voices come to the, to the fold, we want them to have cracks that they can explore. Yeah. Uh, we want them to have areas where they can go right. and say, hey, what about this? Nobody's talked about this yet. Um, it's kind of, uh, I'm sure, Mark, you've probably read a lot of those Strange New Worlds anthologies that they were doing with uh, oh, the Trek know, stuff, yeah. the Star Trek, the new the new writers, you know, that they were oh, yeah. you know, people first time publishing stuff like that. Uh, those series, the authors of those did a lot of really good work of going in there and finding yeah. those gaps and finding the different little cracks where, you know, this happened in this episode, this stray remark happened. Why did that stray <laughs> remark happen? Here we go, right. you know. Um, yeah. Star Wars has done a great job on it. They've just returned from a border dispute on Ancyon. Well, if you go get the approaching storm, there's the yep. border dispute on Ancyon. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the kind of thing that I, I, I hope they do continue to do. Uh, and I'll tell you this as for a real quick aside, uh, you were talking Mandalorian a second ago. Uh, I know this episode got a lot of criticism on Jack Black and Lizzo. Um, if you look at Jack Black's character, and you tell me that is not a Carmine Infantino Star Wars character. Yeah. They have to have been looking at that stuff when that happened. Cause he, you just look yeah. at him and you go, they pulled him straight out of Carmine Infantino yeah. Star Wars work. There's yeah. no doubt about that. The facial me. hair, the, the, the regal look, the suit, yeah. Yeah. kind of the pomposity. It's just, it's very Infantino to me. Yeah. That's good. Good spot. Well, yeah. Well, I will say uh, one of the things you kept talking about how the Darth Vader Luke you know, almost happening, right? All those kind of things. The 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 Leia and Darth Vader being in the same place during negotiations a lot of times, but they they were in peaceful planets where you couldn't take weapons or you 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 had signed some treaty or different things like that. Um, I think one of the things that they did really well, and we've always talked about who's the next big baddie, who are we filling in times with? I think they made some very good imperial, uh, just really jerk leaders, like like just mean beyond compare imperial Trace you know was the one, wasn't he? Trace, yeah. yeah yeah yep i mean we had wormus in the original too yeah. yeah i mean so it's it's like they kept figuring out ways okay how do we make this jerk imperial be the guy you dislike in these episodes oh by the way if we if we want to bypass doing an imperial we'll bring in some pirates or we'll bring in an alien species or and i think that was a good thing that they just Hey, we've, we've done a quick run on a water planet. Great. Now let's go do the Magnificent Seven. Great. Now let's go do a story where it's knights and castles and jousting. And, oh, let's go do a whole series where it's basically people who are gargoyles, right? With wings. And, oh, the Stanaks. Yeah. The, yes. The, the Majestrics of Sky. Yes. I mean, so the, Chris Claremont the variety did that, was yeah. huge. I loved, I loved the diversity of it where every episode you were going into – I don't know what I'm going to get, but boom, here's a run against this new either bad Imperial or, or different baddie they're bringing in or a new species, new planet and everything else. And and to do that across 100 and whatever plus uh, episodes or, or chapters, that that's just that was just huge to me when I was going back and doing my review and putting my top 10 together for YouTube. 
I was like, my gosh, you forget how much they, it wasn't just the same thing over and over and over again, made it a very diverse universe they were in. So, it's also yeah. the, it's also the era before com, uh, decompressed storytelling too, though. So there were a lot of ideas that got chewed up in just 107 issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, nowadays, each of those issues would probably have been oh, yeah. four to six issues themselves. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, you're talking maybe three or 400 issues worth of ideas that were, that were used in those books. They and, did and jam a that, lot in there. You're, yeah. you're yeah. correct. That makes it even more impressive. And in you know, big stories, we've talked about the big, you know, the confrontations and Valance and Vader, mm -hmm. but what about little things, you know, right after Valance and Vader square off, there's this little quiet, intimate issue where you know Leia's going on a mission and she has to disguise herself as a factory worker and mm -hmm. uh you know this this little girl helps her escape and uh, she leaves her with these you know she's these seeds she's planting seeds at the end yep. which I thought was just a great metaphor um you know she's planting the seeds of the rebellion she's planting the seeds of their freedom but like you say, they, they did nice little standalone episode. I know Joe Duffy said mm -hmm. they'd always try and have a couple in the back pocket in case they sort of fell behind stuff that could, yeah. you could slot in anywhere. The episode where Leia's being chased and captured by that stormtrooper, and it turns out he's an Alderanian survivor, and then oh, yeah, yeah. that the necklace, yeah, 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 that's like a Randy Stradley one, right? And that his first work, I think it might be, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but the artwork was was gorgeous. Um, yeah. Tom Tom Palmer, I think, was on that, and yeah, beautiful. So boy, the late um, Tom Palmer, you just you can't yeah. say enough about his contributions throughout the whole run of that series. Yeah, totally, totally. So that so they'd always have these interesting little, and I think Joe Duffy's first one was the one where you sort of the the Clone Wars throwback issue with with Ben, but issue twenty seven oh. quite early on, you mm -hmm. know. So twenty four yeah. silent running. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so they've, they've, oh, there you go. That's That's it. Silent yeah. Drifting. Silent yeah. Drifting, sorry. Yeah. Silent Running. So movie. This, yeah, yeah. this is one I have multiple of because Ben and Luke are my favorite. So my son was like, Dad, I saw this Ben Kenobi comic in this place. I thought you would want it. And I was like, well, I have it, but I'm keeping this one out just so I can have it with me at all <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah, fantastic. To go back and see what their theory of, yeah. during the clone wars was but you, you know you forget when that first not sorry scott when that first novel came yeah. out you know you had the prelude before the story started mm -hmm. and you've got before you've read anything if that's the very first star wars thing you read in november 76 the first thing you read about is the clone wars people forget that literally the first thing you'd read is the clone wars so the, or a recap of the clone wars and it's the most lightly sketched recap ever but it's the clone wars so you learn how everybody gets to where they are before everything goes down the toilet and here we are, just seeds of rebellion, if you like, just starting up. So, so it's, it's yeah, it blows my mind sometimes. But but that that Marvel run was just so evocative and so unique, and it bugs me, like you guys both said, it bugs me when it gets dismissed so out of hand. Yeah. Because, and it, it always, I guess, it, it, I don't know, is it gatekeepery? We were there. You kind of had to be there. It was a different world. You didn't. You couldn't. You couldn't watch all every Star Wars thing that's ever been made on yeah. one of these because these no. didn't exist. You know, you didn't have access to everything anywhere, whenever. So what you no. got was absolutely it was gold. So yeah. it meant it meant so much more. So yeah. like, you, doing this has really made me want to go back and read them because it's been way too long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, oh you, yeah. And, and yeah. you mentioned, you've mentioned a couple of times, you've mentioned Joe Duffy. And I, I think she deserves a lot of credit because that, that momentum from the Michelin and Simonson run 
and then, and Michelini leaves, uh, and pretty quickly, apparently he left pretty abruptly. And he, you know, when, when he, we did the episode of my star Wars story, he said he was upset. Uh, and he says he thinks he was upset about not getting the Jedi adaptation. I don't know that that works out. I don't know that that's correct. And he did some did other, he go to he... um, like I don't know if he, I don't know if he went there immediately, but obviously he ended up there. Um, cause I think, uh, I think DeFalco was still on Spider-Man at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and don't take DeFalco off of Spider-Man, but, <laughs> uh, um, he, he left pretty quickly and Joe hmm. Duffy's the one who stepped in and picked up all those threads that he had laid out there. And really, you didn't notice much of a, if any, of a drop-off. I mean, it kept going the way it it should have gone, the way you felt like, you know, these stories were shaping up in the first place. Uh, and you have to give her a lot of credit because she's really the one who brought Rick Duell and Danny and Cheeto and all yeah. those guys into the into the mix. She's yeah. the one who did that, and it's very memorable stuff. And and the the Lasbys and the Hucks, of course. That's the Hucks, uh, that was it, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think of the name of the little furry things that turn into, well, they, yeah. they turn into Huck or... Oh, yeah. yes. You know, okay. that's, yeah. I but, forgot uh, about that. Yeah, Lasbane. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's it's... She did a really good job of picking up the threads, and I feel like they were kind of thrown at her, yeah. and uh, and she did a great job of picking it up and run with it, running with it, too. And what was the name of that water planet? I've been trying to think what it was. The the bit the the, the original water planet the or the one no, with the hero one hero yeah that what I can't think of the name of the planet uh, what the world what was, was called a, something Kalane something yeah. Triskalane yeah. or something all like the that hero in it hero yeah, yeah. so you if you, in I don't remember the seventies and eighties you'd be in the, the you'd be in the fifth or sixth volume I think by then yep. yeah the dark horse stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like, it's just I'm, been bugging me. I've been trying to think. Lane keeps sticking with me. But I don't think that's is that right? Oh, here uh, by the way, for everybody, here is oh, the Alderon stormtrooper with the stone yeah. from blown up Alderon. Iskalon, Iskalon, that's it. Iskalon. Well, I had the right Iskalon. rhythm to it, but I didn't have the right. <laughs> there was yeah. you, Iskalon, Iskalon factor or something. Was that one of the issues? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You guys bringing up Kiro, I. Looking back, I was really surprised at how much <clears throat> Cliff and Kiro really played a key role in these yeah. in these series. I I thought, okay, Cliff, Hujibs were around for they were around for a long yeah. time. And and Kiro was in and out quite a bit. And I don't know if Kiro helped lead to the prequels where you had the Mon Calamari and the Quarren and yeah. all those because in the Clone Wars we had a whole underwater yeah. battle with with mm -hmm. anakin and ahsoka and and all those so um i don't know if that was something they plucked from way it back definitely when. definitely felt like an influence it really did and cliff would make a great point because you, you think in uh, you know the whole planet of the hoogives era storytelling mm -hmm. that that was kind of the you know that was its own thing and then when you get when you get beyond jedi the cynthia martin stuff that when she was doing the artwork mm -hmm. it cliffs all the way through it you know with yeah. the toffs turn up yeah. with the berets on never thought you'd see French-looking aliens in Star Wars, but hey, oh, there you yes, go. Yes, yes. Um, what were those called again? With the, they were all the, the bugs. What were they? Oh, the bugs. They were the tops. Were they the tops? I can't think what they were they called. Were the, 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 they had the weird like, berets on, didn't they? they, were they yeah, they were bugs. Yeah, yeah. 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 very 80s. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, French bugs in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, huh? crazy. Um, yeah, no, I... Look, guys, this is, um, this is great stuff. I mean, I... I'm I glanced through all of them a while back, but um, but I think I'm going to just read right through 
Oh, and, and refresh because it just it just brings back great memories and you remember where you were and how old you were kind of when you were going through these. So uh, tons of fun. If you guys don't mind, I like I said, I think between Shadows of the Empire, uh, between those those daily comic uh, strips, I would love for us to do some things like that, that people really I, I know Shadows of the Empire, it doesn't fall in the same thing. It was 1996, but. Um, there's so many people today who wouldn't even be able to tell you what Shadows of the Empire was about. Yeah, and, 30 years ago, don't forget. Yeah, I mean, 30 yeah. years ago. And and yeah. let's think about how big of a deal that was. So these Marvel comics, here they are 40 plus years later, and they still mean yeah. this much to us. I think people today would be like, whoa, this this is what you guys thought happened between Empire and, and Jedi and, and how much we loved it. And it was the movie without the movie and all those kind of things. So I think, yeah. you know, Let's let's look at that. Maybe maybe we'll see if Mr. Glosson or somebody wants to hop in with us too. I don't know if he was a big Shadows of the Empire fan, but uh, I'd like to like to hear what uh, what he thinks about that because he's of the right age that 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 would probably fit well with him as well. So um, any any more thoughts of anything that we haven't covered on the Marvel comics that stood out to you, whether it's characters or artwork or storylines? I, I love that you brought up the French bugs from the end. Those were great. Uh, I completely forgot about those. Um, yeah. Anything else stand out to you? I mean, I know we didn't talk about it. I mean, let's face it, the the, vet, the wheel. We haven't talked about the wheel. Oh, the wheel. And and the, the funny thing is when Steve Glosson makes fun of me and my Marvel Star Wars fixation, he always has me talking <laughs> about the wheel. So, <laughs> um, but if you think about that battle, that was a battle where you had Han and Chewie out in space, right? Doing yes, space yes. Gladiators battle. And yeah. let me tell you, that was... The little mask on. Oh, yes. yeah. And, and yeah, well, of course, you know, they're in space, so. <laughs> <laughs> nothing else, but the mask, but yeah, no, that was one of those great things where again, at the end of the issue, you know, solo says Chewie, you got to kill me. That's the only way you can get out of this. And so yeah. Chewie blasts him. And then you got to wait until you can find the next one, yes. whatever convenience store, gas stop, whatever, <laughs> uh, you have to find that next one and, uh, you hope he's okay. He's got to be okay. Right. Uh, how do they get out of this? And uh, right. you just are probably ten years old, too. You can't say yeah. for certain that Han yeah. Solo has not just died in that last comic. Yes, and you know there's a real Republic serials factor to that. You know, you, here's your cliffhanger: he's mm -hmm. dead. They shot him in the chest. It's over. <laughs> and don't you think George used to run a comic shop? Was it Gutter Snipe um, back in the day? You yeah. Know? And so he's a he's a big comics guy. Mm -hmm. You know, he he wanted Goodman and Williamson on the strip, and you know he knew what he wanted. So I often wonder how he wasn't involved. Of course, he's, he was, his hands were on different no. wheels to this. But I often wonder, most things, they always said, if it's got Star Wars on it, it passes somebody very high up at Lucasfilm's desk back in the day. And it yeah. wouldn't surprise me one iota if George just, what, I'm just popping off for a coffee, you know, and there he is reading the latest <laughs> issue, you know. Because it's his baby, isn't it? It's still yeah. his baby. He's, it, this isn't his thing. He always said, well, that, the books and the comics are over there and I'm doing this, yeah. you know. But it's still within the world of, of Lucasfilm and stuff. I often wonder how or what he thought of it and how much he enjoyed it. Being a comics guy, you know. Yeah, you know, and I know that, did he did he not acquire all the art? I mean, that was he he took ownership of all the art, right? Yeah, I mean, so I think I he had an appreciation. He bought all the Dark Times art. The um, oh god, the artist that did Wheatley? Dark Times. Wheatley Doug did. Wheatley, yeah, he bought yeah. all the Dark Times artwork. So because I think Doug Wheatley did a lot of work on the Underworld series that never. Mm. Never happened so um i mean that was beautiful artwork so 
Oh yeah. But, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, yeah, I'd love to get some original original oh. Star Wars art. Well, you know, be. well, you know, Wheatley was selling that nice. nice. George's Wheat- favorite. Yes, That's the exactly cookie jar. Right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Wheatley was selling uh, pages from Episode Three, the Episode Three adaptation, at one of the celebrations. Oh, wow. And I was talking to him about it, and uh, apparently he had sold several of the pages before he realized George wanted all the pages. Oh, no. And, uh, and once they found out hmm. that, the, that the, it was incomplete, they didn't want it. So he was selling pages at a celebration. Of course, the birth of Darth Vader page was, I forget, way it was way up there. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that was when I was starting to flirt with getting some original art. And it was when, and if you've ever seen Doug Wheatley work, it's really interesting because you know most of the comic artists do you know work on the oversized artboard. Yeah. He does a one to one. Really, he draws. Yeah, he draws comic sized, and wow. he does that. He said because because I sat and talked with him for a while at uh, uh, the last celebration in Orlando in twenty seventeen. <clears throat> um, he 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 maybe it was twenty anyway. It was one of those celebrations. Uh, but he says he does that because he can get the work done. He can get it done quicker. He's not losing any detail because they're not blowing no it confession. up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and then of course he does it all in pencil, and then they they digitally just cover color over the pencil. They don't; it doesn't get inked, so it's just raw pencil drawing. But he does it all one to one. All Doug Wheatley's work is one to one, which is which is why when they did the repro book for Dark Times, which I, I'm assuming you guys have seen, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a lot smaller than the the original art books of all the other stuff. You know, the Williamson one is like eight, mm-hmm. eight stories yeah. tall. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Howard Chaykin one's really big, not yeah. as big as the Williamson one, but the, the, uh, Wheatley one is, is a good bit smaller and that's because he draws one-to-one. Wow. did not know that. Yeah. Didn't wow. either. It's amazing hey. details. Gorgeous work. The guy's phenomenal, yeah. but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only reason I brought down the George's favorite R2 cookie jar is because you, Scott, when you brought a Mark, when you guys were talking about, do you think he hopped off, grabbed a coffee and looked at a comic? Would would either of you, or is it just me? Would you guys pay or watch on Disney Plus if they just put a documentary together with George and had him walk through his favorites of books that he knows about, or comics, or talk about the toys, or different things? Don't worry about the movies. We all know yeah. what uh, what all happened with the movies. Let's talk about the in between times <laughs> and the products that you didn't actually write right the the things that you didn't actually create but were built off of what you did i mean to have him sit down and talk about uh the dark empire to have him sit down and talk about shadows of the empire to have him talk about the the brian daly books see if he has comments or if he actually used any of that as source material or anything like that i would i would just love i mean let's face it he's an older gentleman now how many more years are we going to have george wanting to talk about anything like this, I would, I would pay to just sit back and go, George, oh. just go hog wild. Let's, let's bring stuff up and let's go. And I mean, does it hurt him? I mean, he's not talking about the movies, which he sold off. He's just talking about historical things. I, I would love it to would see be fascinating. Thought. It would be fascinating. I'd be very curious because as I say, I mean, for him, he's in the trenches writing, build, directing, building, Skowak Ranch, all the other stuff he was doing, very hands-on with ILM and all the other things that he did. So, so I would I would kind of think this was on on the periphery of his sort of involvement and and his you know everything else. But nevertheless, any time he went anywhere from seventy seven to eighty six, presumably 
if he's in in the real world, he's going to see that month Star Wars comic, or he's going to mm-hmm. see that that the latest novel, or whatever, or you know Velasco's Guide to the Star Wars Universe, or whatever it is. You know, there's all these things that were going to be around in the eighties. So all those <laughs> things that that we absolutely chewed up and 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 devoured, they're they're here for him. But but it's still part of the bigger story. So it, yeah, it would be kind of interesting to see what how much of that he he took in yeah because it, it all like i say it all crosses a desk near him if not his desk so it'd be interesting to see how much he was aware of it yeah you mentioned uh you'd be interested in hearing what he liked i would i'd listen to what he hated just as long <laughs> yeah. as he talked about it yeah uh you know yeah. there's it's always been rumored and i've never seen it uh, you know confirmed from an official source but he's it's always been rumored he hated mara jade yeah uh, i'd love that. to hear i'd love to hear his take on that and if so if that really is true why is it true yeah, yeah. Especially when when Shadows, oh, sorry, Shadow, when Air to the Empire came out in '91, and it was very much this is the sequel to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. you know, we were told that is what happened next. Yeah, they kind of walk that back these days, but back then, thirty three years ago, they were saying this is what happened next. This is the next chapter of the Star Wars story, and she was kind of central, not central, but she was very high up and important. Yeah. Because- throughout that trilogy so yeah it's kind of interesting that yeah i, I had heard that as well yeah I, sometimes i think you know wasn't it him and and seth green that did that little bit where it was kind of a joke but it wasn't a joke and do you think no, they were like well, yeah <laughs> let, let's let's play it off this to really rile people up and see what they think um so i don't know if if he does have that true dislike or if he's just like Hey, I, l- let's have a little fun with this. And let's I just so goes. wish you say that about detours, you know, because that's the last thing you really worked on Star Wars wise, mm-hmm. really, apart from adding McClunky to, to, you know, to the edit of Star Wars for some goodness knows why, but um, <laughs> which just doesn't work. But nevertheless, uh, and apparently that was recorded back in '77. That's not an addition. That's that's the old uh-huh. audio. You know, they got like a million mixes of Star Wars: one for the airplanes, one for yeah. the TV, blah blah blah. It was in there all the time. Apparently, we just never heard it. Um, wow. I, don't, I don't believe a word of it, um, <laughs> but but that's the story for another day. But yeah. but yeah, I, I just think he seemed to be having so much fun with that. I know he apparently really enjoyed working with the you know stupid monkey guys and Seth Green and, and Matt Senreich and all that lot. So I'd love to see details. I think that's a big mm. oversight not putting that out there. Agreed. Well, they've Disney got Plus, it. I mean, it's yeah. just sitting there. Um, yeah. If they put out Ewoks and yeah. if they put out Ewoks and droids and the cartoon from the holiday special yeah. why is that not in there we they go in saying hey this is vintage this is throwback i mean that i mean the holiday special he always said if he could hunt down every copy and destroy it he would and he's been saying that for decades so i suppose that's probably yeah. that was probably in the only sold lucas film to disney that was probably top of the list of things that he wanted them to honor yeah. <laughs> please never release this was until i will until i'm in the box yeah. Don't release this. As soon as he's gone, it'll turn up on Disney Plus. That you watch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, you know I, what? Go ahead and put the holiday special right next to it. Detours and holiday special. I'm okay yeah. with. So real quick, I'll I'll throw this out there because we haven't discussed this. You talked about the holiday special, and and I don't mean to keep you much longer. I know we've got all busy stuff here, but the the new uh, documentary that came out. I know, Mark. I think you did some interviews based on that, right? Did you interview? Some Which people? one's that? The, the, uh, the disturbance. The, the oh, the, the yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I have not seen it yet. I keep telling myself I'm going to watch it, and then I sit there and go, oh, "Am I going to go buy it? Am I going to go watch it? I haven't." But but you I have want to, to see that. it. You have to. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm 
I'm thinking I'm going to do that, put it up here on the shelves behind me. Um, but so have you guys seen it? Have you guys watched it? Um, yeah. the, 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 the documentary? Yeah. I have not yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of like you and I keep going, I need to get this. I need to get it. I need to get it. And I just, uh, I, it came out in December, right? Yeah, I believe. Yeah. So. And, yeah. and, uh, December was just ridiculous for me. So, uh, I'm, I'm just now kind of coming down for air at this point. So <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for that. Yeah. I won't spoil anything. I'll, I won't spoil a stitch of it, but it's really worth watching it. I mean, obviously, I do want we, to all know, we all know the holiday special, but, but, uh, this makes it, this makes it more relevant than it's been since November, 1978. I'll say that. Okay. Good, good, good. I'm glad to hear it. And well seeing that there's a chewy figure out there from the holiday special, you know, warm, warm the of course, I, got you that. I wouldn't I got have guessed anything else. Scott. They were selling it on the property at Disney and I, <laughs> I snatched one up. So, <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you what guys, it has been just a bun, a bundle of fun. I, I've loved going back and reliving these old days and talking about it. Again, let's let's throw together some more things that we can do based on some of these other throwbacks that maybe some other people aren't talking about right now because I think it it adds to it. So, um, thank you, Mark, for for jumping across the pond and, and hopping on with us. Thank you, Scott, for taking time out of your busy day. And I know we've been trying to put this together because I wanted to have this conversation right here. So I really appreciate you guys doing this. Um, if you if listeners and followers haven't listened to the Mark Newbold My Star Wars Story with Scott Rifen. Uh, go go pull that up. It, it's out there still. Podcast worlds, go find it. Uh, you know, you can find them pretty much any platform, right, Scott? I think. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's it's probably ten years old now, so we probably yeah. ought to <laughs> update it or something. Yeah. But, uh, uh, where's it, where's that gone? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've got a lot more Star Wars story to add to that in the last decade or so. There's a few uh, bits, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, tiny little bit. Uh, but uh, but go do that, and uh, can't thank you guys enough. Thank can't, thank you to the listeners who who check us out. I think this is going to be an episode you really enjoy hearing some things that we don't normally talk about here on the show. But uh, thank you guys, it's been been a blast. I hope everybody goes and reads the Marvel Star Wars. Scott's got something to add in. Yeah, I was just going to say, bringing it back around to that Marvel Star Wars thing. If you are someone who has never checked them out. Mm-hmm. or reasons of continuity issues or because you were told they were terrible and cheesy and awful, um, do yourself a favor mm-hmm. and don't listen to those guys. Just pick up a couple of issues. If you need some guidance, I think we've given you some pretty good guidance in this episode. Um, and and check them out for yourself. I think you're going to be really surprised at what's in there. Uh when Walt Simonson came on board with the art, it just, it exploded to another level artistically, but I'll also say the Infantino art. It's a thing I didn't care much for as a kid, but I recognize now his story chops, his storytelling chops are just phenomenal. Um, but you as a fan of star Wars, if you're not checking it out and at least giving it a shot, I think you're shortchanging yourself. Well said. Agreed. Agreed. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Go check out Phantom Tracks. Go check out Making Tracks. Go check out my Star Wars story. I don't want to mess it up because somebody (laughs) cheated you and did another one that was like that. But yes, Um, until next time, guys, may the Force be with you.